Just a note before we start. Our show talks about touchy subjects that may be difficult for some of our listeners. Take care of yourself. If you feel you need to seek help, see the links at the end of our show notes for resources. Welcome to Touchy Subjects Podcast, a podcast that aims to help break the silence when it comes to discussions around domestic and sexual violence. I'm Sean. And I'm Amanda. And today we're going to be discussing how we can help survivors tell their stories with our special guest, Sharice Floyd. So thank you for joining us today, Sharice. Thank you. I am excited to be with you guys this morning. Yes, and we are extremely excited to have you here with us this morning. When we had met prior to this recording, your energy was awesome, so we're super excited to have this discussion um, so so our audience can see how awesome you are. Do you just want to introduce yourself to our audience real quick? Yeah, well, I'm Cherise Floyd. I am the founder of Witness My Life, and we are a storytelling firm that helps survivors and helps women in general tell their stories and raise their voices so that they are impossible to ignore. So if you want to learn more about me, just Google me because you're not really here to know who I am. You're here to listen to what I have to say. So, Yes. And, and I will make sure that we have the links to everything for you in our show notes. So that way, if our audience does want to learn more about you, they're able to do that. Um, so Sharice, really, what made you want to start helping people tell their stories? You know, I've always been a storyteller. I didn't really realize that that was a thing. Um, kind of always had a flair for the dramatic. I've always been a little bit emotional. <laughs> always had a way with words. Um, but I had a personal situation of my own and I felt very alone in my, in my story. I felt like I was the only one in the world that was going through what I was going through. And I started sharing my story to help myself deal with the trauma of what I was feeling. And when I did that, people came from out of the woodwork. They just started flocking. And you know, everyone who was living in a similar life that I was living came out and they were like, oh my gosh, I've been waiting for someone to give me permission to share this. And I saw how it built community. I saw how um, it built a level of camaraderie. And I knew that I was onto something when I was able to take that skill and translate it into my professional work. And it had the same effect. And it just has evolved from there. So one of the things that I, as I was listening to that, I was just thinking, we did, we did an episode um, with somebody named Madeline who runs the Reclaim Me podcast. Um, those listening, if you've heard it, if you haven't checked it out, check it out after this episode. Um, but one of the things that she mentioned was that when she started her podcast, she started it in part because after she had started sharing her story, other people started coming to her. Mm -hmm. And so she wanted to create a space and a platform for people to do that. So it's just really cool to kind of hear how when people share their stories, how easy it is for people to gravitate towards them to then feel like have that willingness to share that story with them because they're like, oh yeah, I've experienced something similar or they've experienced something similar to me. They might be able to understand what I'm going through a bit more than somebody else who's never experienced this. Absolutely. Yeah. I thought that I was like having deja vu for a minute there because, <laughs> um, you know, we, we have, I'm 
had that discussion about, you know, that sense of community and being able to understand each other in a way that other people might not be able to, not feeling like you have to, um, you know, sugarcoat things and, and stuff like that. So, um, this is just a, a great, like everything comes together kind of, kind of yeah. conversation. I can't talk. <laughs> but also like thinking about it too, is when we do presentations around like prevention of domestic and sexual violence, I will often include either stories or like use examples of real life things that have happened to me because it allows me to connect to my audience a bit more. Now, maybe I'm not sharing like every detail of it or the, st the stories that I'm sharing are kind of kind of funny or goofy because it helps ease the tension in the room a bit. But it's so important to be able to use storytelling in presentations or to sh have those conversations around different people's stories because it allows for that connectivity between people. And it's just, it's just something that I'm less like when someone says, I don't share all of my story or I don't use like real life examples and stuff I'm like you're, you're missing the ability to connect to an audience if you're not doing that. Absolutely. Stories are our emotional language <clears throat> and it is, um, it is our highest form of communication. And that is why I truly believe that it is the one thing that could actually bring this world together if we actually sat down and listened to each other, because, you know, we've all had different experiences, but we all know what it's like to be human. So those emotions translate no matter what your experience is. Yeah, it's one of my favorite quotes from the first Pokemon movie, which mm -hmm. is not a place that you would expect to have like that really in-depth quote, and yeah. especially coming from a villain. But it's like we all have the same earth, the same stars, the same sky. If we focused on what's similar instead of what's different, well, who knows? Mm -hmm. It's like we all have that humanity piece to us. Like yeah. I genuinely believe that people deep down all want to be able to connect to others and have communities that are safe mm -hmm. I absolutely agree I think our our greatest desire is to feel seen and heard and when we when that most basic desire isn't met we have seen how it plays out in history when people are acting out in you know all over the place it will go back to their desire to be seen and heard and it is why as a survivor of abuse um being able to tell the story is very important because typically in these situations, your sense of self has been diminished so much that you just want every, you want everyone to know um, what you have gone through. And so it really does facilitate healing when people start sharing. Well, I have to think too, especially when victims of abuse, they're made to view themselves as smaller or they're made to feel smaller. So it's, that process of sharing that story is like, hey, I, I exist. I'm here. It's I can really kind of see how that would be part of someone's healing process or be helpful to them because it's saying, hey, I still exist. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And it's it's interesting. <clears throat> excuse me. As we have this conversation, every survivor that I have worked with when they want to share their story, they're all, we're all, and we, because I'm also a survivor of abuse, we all come into that process at the most basic level, just to be validated. That first, when we start sharing that story initially, we are doing so to be validated. 
And that first pass of the story is messy. Like we're giving you all the business. <laughs> we're telling you all the things. Um, and we just were looking for someone to say, I understand. I get it. I feel you. I see you because we haven't, we haven't had that. And so we're not, um, that first pass is really, we're still in the throes of the emotion of it. We're still in the throes of the pain of it. We've got the anger going on. We want, we want, we're in revenge mode. We're in all those modes. Just like, I just want, I just need to tell this story because this is what happened to me and I need the whole world to know what happened to me. Um, and so that intent is very much, please see me, please hear me, please tell me that I'm going to be okay. Um, and so there's levels to this, but when we first come in, we just need people to see, to understand. And so, you know, there's, um, a good chance that people who listen to our podcast are survivors of some sort of sexual trauma or domestic violence. Um, and they may hear people telling their stories on our podcast and think to themselves like, Hey, I could do that too. Maybe I should do that. You know, they're sharing their story and, you know, I get to listen to it and it's helping me. Maybe that's something I should try. So, but I don't, I don't think people understand what they're really getting themselves into sometimes. Like they just jump in because like you said, they're like, I want to be seen, heard and validated. Um, so that's going to be like a great, little bit of information for you to share with our audiences, um, kind of how to think through that process, like how to get yourself ready for that, because you absolutely should share your story if you want to. Um, but like, let's, let's talk about those things that are going to have to happen, um, with you mentally, emotionally for you to be able to do that in a, in a safe way. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's, this is why I always tell people that it's a process and I have seen it kind of um, play out in like three phases. So that first phase, like I said, when you come in, you're, you're in victim mode and that's okay. You're, you're very, something has happened to you and that is completely okay. Not that something has happened, but the fact that you are in a victim mode um, and you didn't ask for it. And so you really want um, people to see your humanity, you're really, you really are trying for people to connect to that humanity. But in that first phase, you are not in the place of healing yet. You are fighting for your life, so to speak. And so when you're sharing that story, that story is not the story for prime time. That is the story for your support groups. That is the story for your therapist. That is the story for your family and friends who have given you enough space to be able to share without being your therapist. That's not the story that you are getting on social media sharing or sharing in court or whatever the case is. And when you are sharing the story in that mode of not being healed yet, you have to understand that your intent for doing that can have consequences to if you are in a custody battle or if there is um, someone who you're just villainizing all over the place and not that people don't do bad things, but the way that you share the story does matter in the intent. 
once you have kind of come back, you can step back and see your life a little bit clearly. Then you move into like the active healing phase. And now you're sharing the story in the sense of awareness. It's not necessarily about the person who has hurt you. It is about what has happened to me. Understand what I'm about to say. We are never responsible for someone abusing us, but we are responsible for the healing that we must do to get through it. And so when you're starting to heal that trauma, now when you're telling the story, you can step back and say, what is it that I can do so that I'm never in this situation again? So the intent of the telling the story is more now for your awareness. And then the final phase of it is when some people determine that what has happened to them has now happened for them and they become an advocate. And now when you're out there sharing the story, you are doing it to make an impact. You have healed enough where you can step back and look at it from the outside. And now you can share it with lessons that people can take away to use for their life. In the beginning, you don't have any lessons to share because you haven't gone through the process to learn. But when you get to the third phase, now you have lessons that you can go out and share and tell the story. And now we can help survivors move through their lessons. Listening to like you go through the kind of like those like phases of healing for the storytelling purposes it really is kind of interesting because the especially that second phase where it's the what can i take from what i've experienced to try to like help me it's really that when any like when anyone's experienced something is like once we've moved past that initial part is like how can i use this as a potential like learning opportunity now, again, just like you said, Therese, not saying that any if you don't feel like anything good came from you being a victim of abuse, that's fine, too. I'm not going to tell you you have to find something that made you that to look at the positives of the silver lining of the abuse, because you've experienced something awful. And if you just see it as something awful to happen, that's perfectly fine as well. But it's. If you're looking at it from the perspective of, okay, what can I take from this? When you move into that third phase of trying to do use your story as an awareness raising thing or trying to help and connect to other victims, I think it allows for victims then to see that, okay, so they've experienced this and this was the outcome of that and this is how they kind of got through it. Maybe I can use some of those pieces to help me in my healing journey now. So it's not saying that, your silver lining is now I can help other people who have been abused. But for some people, that might be what they want to do with it. Mm -hmm. It absolutely is. And we, we don't have, we don't have to take our trauma and teach anybody about what has happened to us um, or what, you know, how we have learned or if we have learned anything at all. Mm -hmm. Um, But for people who, who feel that it is an experience, they, they, can help someone else get through, then their their sharing of that story really does give people who started in that first phase who felt like life cannot get any better than this and seeing somebody who got through it and who has gotten through it to the point where they're out willing to help someone, there is no better healing than that than to be able to listen to someone who has gone through what you have gone through and can really understand you 
and can really empathize with you. And they can say, listen, there is a path outside of this if you are willing to take the steps. Yeah. And so, you know, like we're saying, everybody experiences things in a different way. So you're going to experience your trauma in a different way. You're going to experience your healing in a different way. And whatever way works for you is the way that you should be doing it. Um, Some people heal by trying to find a way to help someone else. It gives them a purpose for this awful thing that's happened to them. We're never going to be able to change what happened to us. Um, so for some people, it's it's just the way of making that healing happen. And, you know, we've, we've, we've talked about this before. Um, a lot of times people won't do things necessarily for themselves, but they'll do it for someone else. So if you're thinking like, you know, I can't, I can't share my story for me, but maybe it will help someone else. And that's your reason for wanting to share, then that's valid. You know, that's the reason some people report when they wouldn't want to report for themselves. They report because they don't want it to happen to someone else. Um, so there's just a lot of layers and whatever way you're experiencing and healing from this trauma that's happened to you is the right way to do it. Absolutely. I, I definitely agree with that. Some people that I work with, they want to tell their story, but they really want it for themselves. They want to look back and see where there's, where they started and where they are now. Um, and so it, it's, it's, no right or wrong way to heal through a situation. But if you decide to use story in order to do that, it's just knowing that where you tell the story, how you tell this story. In some cases, if you are out telling the story and you're still kind of in the throes of the hurting of the story, you can do a lot, you know, it can, it has consequences. I'll just say it that way. And finding yourself sometimes in containers where everyone is sharing from that space of hurt um, can re-traumatize you if you're not actively moving out of the hurting position. Um, so yes, there's no right away, right or wrong way to do it. But if you decide that story is a part of that, just being aware that it can be the greatest thing that you can do, <clears throat> excuse me, but it also can have pitfalls. Yeah. And I know we've said it, just want to make it clear for our audience. This is also not a cookie cutter like thing. Like some for some people telling their story or sharing their story is absolutely something they never want to do. They don't want to tell the story. They don't want to put themselves potentially through reliving the trauma of having to say everything that happened or even kind of remembering those things. And that's fine too. You do not need to feel like you need to share your story to heal because every, just like everyone experiences trauma different, everyone heals different, everyone's healing journey is going to look different. But for some people, this is a part of their healing journey. That's absolutely true. And again, that goes back to maybe it's just for you. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, when, um, when you're journaling and I you know, I have a love-hate relationship with the word journal because I would hear that word and I'm like, no one's going to do that. I don't feel like doing that. But <laughs> but then if someone's listening and they, they're also feeling that way, that journaling is not their gig, 
turn on your phone. That's what helped me. I put my voice memo on and I just started talking about how I felt. And it still was like a journal. I used an, an app where I talked into it and it, it translated what I was saying or transcribed what I was saying. And it became a journal where I didn't have to put pen, hand to pen and do it that way. And it still has the same effect where you can see, you can see it in black and white, what actually happened to you. You can see how, you know, horrific it was. But as you keep talking, when something comes to mind and it, it sparks an, a memory and you just talk about it, you also see your progression and how you are actually moving yourself forward. And it may not be for anyone else to know, but yourself. But if you want to share it and you don't want to share it publicly, consider journaling it out because it still will help you heal. As someone who also has a love-hate relationship with journaling, because I would use it as part of like my therapy, like mm -hmm. going through like therapy for depression and stuff. Yeah. I was like, I fucking hate this. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, let me just, I wake like laying in bed. I'm like, yeah, let me write down why I feel like a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, that's always fun to look back on. Like, oh yeah. Remember when you felt like you were a really bad person, but you're feeling really good now. Go ahead, re re read through that. So now you can also feel like a bad person again. Remember why you felt like shit. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It was always great. So I yeah. stopped journaling because that was clearly not helping me. <laughs> I always convince myself that if I go and get a pretty notebook, that it will cure it and I will do it. And then I won't write in the notebook because it's so pretty. So Girl, same. <laughs> so I can't tell you how many notebooks I have sitting around with these pretty little covers on them. And yes. I'm like, I don't want to fill that up with junk. Like, yeah. what? Am, this needs to be like worthy of the prettiness of the front of this notebook. Exactly. <laughs> hope, hopefully someone listening doesn't feel like we're bashing journaling if that works for you. If that works for you, that's oh, great. Boy. <laughs> get the pretty notebook fill it up that's what it's for yes absolutely <laughs> this is a prime example of what human humaning looks like yeah. yes <laughs> or sounds like yeah, yeah. so Sharice, if somebody is listening and they think that storytelling might be a way for them to aid them on their healing journey what how could they go about kind of starting that? So I know you kind of went through the like different phases and everything, but what recommendations would you have for somebody who might be in that first phase? And they're like, I'm still going through it, but I want to get to the point where I feel like I can share my story. What would you recommend for them? I would definitely recommend getting um, in a support group or in a container, a safe space where you are able to share the story with someone who can guide you through what's actually happening. And the reason that I say that, as I've, I've already said a few times, is that the first phase of healing when you're still hurting is very tricky because when you are in victim mode, victim mode feels good, let me explain, feels good to the degree that you're getting a lot of attention. And the attention is, can be addictive because people are, they're wrapping their arms around you. They are telling you, you know, it's going to be okay. It, it speaks to that inner wound, that, that wound that has happened, that someone has violated you. 
that phase can last longer if you are constantly sharing, constantly sharing, constantly sharing, and it's, you know, constantly pulling in attention. So I would recommend that you definitely get into a container and a safe space where someone is going to be guiding you out of that position, pulling you out of it. They're going to listen to you and, and give you that attention, but they're going to start pulling you out and not in the way that people are dismissive when they say things like, get over it. It's been so long, something to that effect. You're not looking for that person. It's that person who can really strategically start to pull you out. Um, once you have found that container and safe space and start sharing the story in that space, I promise you, even if you don't think that it's going to happen, something will click and you will get tired of hearing your voice. You'll get tired of hearing yourself talk about this thing. <laughs> you will get tired. And when that switch starts to click, then you'll start moving away from it to the degree where you're like, listen, been there, done there. I have, I got the t-shirt. And if you start sharing it again, you're sharing it with different intent. Yeah. I've seen from like the therapists and stuff that we work with at our organizations that we will often, I would often get, um, asked by them like hey we because i do stuff out in the community it's like hey we have a survivor who wants to share their story they've worked with our therapy staff they've worked with their counselors and stuff and they've worked through that first phase and now they're getting to the point where they wanted to share so i was like oh yeah sure we can figure something out like we can have them write a blog for us we can have them join us on the podcast we can have them go out to a community event if they want to do that so we've had survivors who want to share their stories but there's also ones who just don't um and that's fine too so it's really kind of helping understand what the intent behind your sharing the story is. And that story, like you said, Sharice, that intent can change. Because maybe, yeah, you started off saying, I want to share my story because I want to be seen. I want to be heard. Then you move on to, I want to share my story because I want other people to know that stuff like this is happening. And then you're like, maybe I want to help people with my story. And maybe you none of those things and you just have another reason for it. And that's fine too. But it's recognizing what you want to share the story for. And I think that also helps you then formulate how you share that story because I can share a story about something that's happened to me just to raise awareness for it. Or I can share a story to help other people who have experienced some of the same things that I have. And the way that I tell that story, it's still the same story, but it's going to look different. Yes. It's going to look different. It's going to feel different and it's going to land differently. And so the one thing about your intent though, is that you can't hide it. So if your intent is really to villainize the other person and you think that you're sharing the story for awareness, believe me when I tell you that when you share the story, we're going to hear the true intent. Um, it, you cannot hide that point because that is really, you know, there's no veil for it. Um, and so how it, it just becomes really important for you to know, and there's no, nothing wrong if you need to, to, to villainize, but there's, a, there's an audience for the villain, villainization portion, and then there's the audience for the awareness and the advocacy and all of that. One thing that I definitely want to make sure that I mention um, as far as the response, you have a responsibility as a storyteller that when you go out into the public to share a story, especially a story like this, 
you have a responsibility to your audience to not have therapy on the audience. And so this is why the healing phase that you're doing becomes so much more important because you can't take an audience down into your stuff because wherever you take them emotionally, that's where they're going to go. And if you don't have a lesson yet to pull them up, you have basically dumped all of that stuff on your audience and like, okay, great. That's my story. That's not fair. And so the intent matters because once you have moved through the level of healing, you have an arc that now pulls the audience up with you if you decide to share it publicly. And that's where it becomes really important for you to know what your true intent is because one will dump on the audience and the other one will give them some sort of inspiration or aspiration, which is where you wanna be if you're gonna share it publicly. So one of the things that you said in there that really kind of like hit a, a note for me that I remember from a previous episode that we've done is there was a scientific study that's been done around uh, people sharing their stories in terms of like prevention presentations. Um, and when someone shares their story, it was often that the person, the audience no longer was in learning mode. They were in empathy mode. And if they're in empathy mode, they're not looking at the story and saying, like, what can I do to help make sure that something like that never happens again? It's, oh, I feel sorry for this person now. So it's there's that delicate line that if you want to share your story, but you're doing it in a setting where you want to raise awareness or try to prevent something from happening, sharing your story in its full entirety may not be beneficial in that specific setting using it as more of like examples as you go through might be a little bit different. But if you're sharing your story in terms of a prevention settings, like you have to be pretty far through that healing to be able to point to things and say, so this was where I could have used help from people in the community. This is where something else could have happened that might've been more beneficial to me earlier on. So really having that keen awareness of not only what your intent of sharing the story is, but also who is the audience for that. Because if your intent is to teach, but your audience ends up being only in empathy mode or feeling sorry for you, they're not able to learn anything. Yes, that is brilliant. And that's exactly it. It is a, it's absolutely a balance. Like you need the empathy to turn on in order to, have that um, that feeling where I, I understand, oh, I can, I can get it. You need it to turn on. But if you go heavy, 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 and like you said, you end up in that place of, you know, oh my gosh, I feel, I feel so sorry for you. Or you come off the stage and they want to give you a hug or hand you a tissue. You know that you have gone all the way to the wrong. <laughs> You've gone a little bit too far in that direction. And so it, it is absolutely a balance. And that is where those details come in because the more details that you share about what you have gone through in a public setting, and, and I keep saying it that way because it's different if it's a private setting and you're moving through the process. But once you get to the public setting and you feel that you're now advocating for this, the amount of detail that you share will decide what that audience is really going to take away. And I have seen people tell 
horrific stories on a stage in a, you know, there's an audience of people and there is no point to the horrification. It's just, I've just told this story by my book. Mm, doesn't quite work that way. <laughs> so you have to be very, very clear on why you're telling it and how to put it together so that you can facilitate learning so that you can um, move to that next phase with the audience that's not um, them feeling sorry for you. Absolutely. And so, you know, knowing who your audience is, because if you're in a spot where you do want to just do that dump of everything that happened, um, doing it with an audience that knows or is trained in how to pull themselves back out of it, your therapists, your support groups, things like that, um, you know, the general public at an event or something like that, they they aren't trained in that. They don't know how to do it. All they're going to do is feel that emotion. And um, while that might, you know, be beneficial in some ways, it's it's going to, like you said, pull them down into this, these horrible things that happened um, and, and not have a way to pull them back up out of it is, is something that might not have the benefit that you think you're looking for. Yeah. And I want to point out too, is this conversation isn't us saying that here's how you should curate your story to be able to tell it because it's your story. You should be able to tell it how you want to, but it's helping people who may want to share their stories, recognize what the intent behind their storytelling is and how they can get to that to accomplish what their intent was. Because if I'm working with a survivor who wants to share their story to educate people, I can help them figure out what details of their story are going to help them accomplish that goal. Working with your therapist, because if you tell your therapist, hey, I want to share my story and I want to do this, they'll be able to help you figure out what is the best way to navigate your storytelling to make sure you hit all the points you want to hit to accomplish the goal you want to accomplish. Because we've said like we don't want to curate victim stories because if we're telling that victim what to say, then we're just giving them like either the diluted version of the story or we're doing the exact same thing their abusive partner has done and we're telling them what to do. I absolutely don't want that want this to come off as that. I want survivors to recognize that if storytelling is a part of the process you want to have, we will help you be able to accomplish the intent you want to get out of it. Mm -hmm. And I, I absolutely love that um, you pointed that out, that this is not about telling anybody um, what to do, especially a survivor. Um, we, you know, people have had enough of that. This is just the conversation that to, to every skill, because it, it's storytelling is a bit of a skill, to every skill that you learn, there are certain parameters around the skill, but your story, what you have lived through is yours and yours alone. It is the one thing that you own. It is the thing that makes you different, makes us all different from each other. It is yours to decide what you want to do with it, how you want to tell it, if you want to tell it at all. That is your 
responsibility. It is your decision. None of us, anyone on this planet can tell you when and how to do that. This is about if you decide that you want to do it and you decide the reason why you want to do it, how to do it in a way that you can accomplish what you want from it. Um, and so if you want to tell it and you just want to tell it because it helps you to be seen and heard, tell it. Tell it to whomever you need to tell it to in the, in the appropriate context. If you want to go out there and tell it to people to change the world, tell it. Tell it how you need to tell it, you know, in the right context to make sure that you get what you want to get from it. But I truly believe that one of the best ways that people heal is to share their story. And that doesn't mean sharing it to everyone. It could just mean sharing it to yourself because above anyone else, you are the first person that you have to influence around your story. It is yours. So I do want to make sure that that gets out. It's your property. It's your experience. And none of us can tell you what to do with it. Yeah, and also we've primarily had this discussion around victims of abuse, so domestic or sexual violence in part. It's what our podcast does, but also Sharice tends to be the people that you've also worked with. But recognizing that all of us have a story, like all of us have experienced things in our lives that are unique to us. And even if we have similar experiences, not every experience is the exact same, even identical twins are going to have two very different experiences in their lifetimes so recognizing that because we all have a story there's always parts of our lives that we can use to help connect to other people i myself am not a victim of abuse but i have been able to easily connect to both of you by saying journaling sucked for me it's like there's always pieces that we can use and yeah we're absolutely never gonna be exactly the same as somebody else or even if journaling sucked for me and amanda was like it was great for me well, we can have a discussion then on like well what what did you like about journaling and what did you not like about it like there's still those connecting pieces that can happen so recognizing that we all have a story to share and if you feel like well i can't connect to somebody who's a victim of abuse because i've never experienced it neither have i and I have plenty of episodes talking to victims and survivors of domestic and sexual violence on our podcast, and I've been able to connect to every single one of them. So it's, you don't have to look at yourself as saying, well, I'm not a victim, so I can't understand what they're going through. It's like, you absolutely can. You just have to come from it from a different perspective. Yeah. And, and not only what you've shared, Sean, I will also share that I did not go into detail about my abuse story. I told you that I was a survivor of abuse, but I had not gone into detail and I made a conscious decision not to do that. And not because I haven't shared it. If you Google me, you'll find it for sure. But coming onto a show like this, I felt like the details of what happened to me wasn't necessary and what I was here to teach. And so this, I'm using my own life as an example right now, is that yes, I've had an abuse experience, but right now I am here to teach around storytelling and how to use storytelling in the context of telling your, your story of abuse. And so I didn't need to go into detail. And so I want you guys to take the two examples. Like I am an abuse survivor, 
but I am here to teach. And Sean has never had an abuse experience, but he also is teaching through what he is doing. So this is a perfect example of what we mean. <laughs> <laughs> love it when it can come full circle easy. <laughs> Say it. We love being a perfect example of things. <laughs> so Sharice, before we wrap up here today, is there anything else that you would want a survivor to kind of know as they're moving into storytelling or potentially looking at storytelling as something that might or might not help them? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I will just say that, and I've, I've kind of already shared it, <clears throat> excuse me, um, you are unique. What you have gone through, none of us can, can truly understand what that has been. And the fact that you are listening to this show right now means that you have survived something. If in the course of surviving that experience, you feel like this is something that matters beyond you and you really want to be out there advocating for someone else, understand that that is your right to do, to tell your story and to raise your voice and to go out there and be impossible to ignore. It is your absolute right to do that. And if that is something that you want to do, I'm giving you all the kudos in the world. And congratulations that you're gonna go and do that and know that you're loved, you matter, and I see you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Sharice. This was a great conversation. I had so much fun talking to you today. Um, So before we go, are there any socials you want to throw out to our audience? The biggest social that I'm on is LinkedIn. Um, It's the one that I use the most. (laughs) (laughs) So um, you can find me there under Sharice Floyd, and I'm happy to connect with you. Awesome. And do you have a website? Yes. It's witnessmylife.org. Great. And I will make sure both of those are in the show notes for our audience so that way they can connect with you and learn more about who you are and what you do. Uh, So thanks again for joining us today, Sharice, and thank you all for listening today. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at TouchySubsPod. Email us any questions, comments, or concerns to TouchySubjectsPodcast at gmail.com. And please rate us on your favorite podcast listening app. It really does help the show out. And in the meantime, don't be afraid to challenge, ask, and discuss when it comes to touchy subjects. Mm